Second Timothy, the second chapter. In the second chapter, the third verse, you'll see it reading this way in the New International Version. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. King Jimmy, he says a little bit different. He says, endure hardship like a good soldier. For no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crop. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight to all of this. And then I want to just briefly read a portion of scripture found in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. I want to talk about these in relationship with one another. It reads very Similarly, similarly, I can't say it, blah, blah, blah. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Y'all do me a favor and just kind of look at a couple of people and tell them that the Lord cares for you. Because if you don't mean that, don't even worry about it now. Don't be, I'm telling you now, look at somebody else who, you, I mean, look them dead in the eye and just rock them a little bit and say, the Lord cares for you. cares for you. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, let the church say all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus after you have suffered for a while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You can take your seat. While you're taking your seat, would you do me a favor and look at somebody and tell them very simply, I'm in it to win it. Come on, look at somebody else and tell them, I'm in it to win it. I'm in it to win it. I'm in it to win it. You know what I found out about life? It will determine whether you're really in this thing. I've learned that whatever you love will help you figure out whether you really love it. People 
they will help you figure out whether you really love them. That's not close enough to you. Family. They'll help you figure out, won't they? Whether you win this thing. Win it. But for some reason, we in the Christian church have gotten into an era where we, for some reason, believe that there's no struggle when loving the Lord. But I came to interrupt that kind of thinking this morning, if you don't mind. To serve the Lord means that you must have both the joy of his gospel and the cross of his gospel. You know, Jesus said this to each of his disciples that everyone who follows me must pick up one's cross in order to follow me. That's old songwriters who used to point their fingers out to the audience and they would say hymnally, if you will, in, in that song of him, must Jesus bear his cross alone? So many of us have gotten accustomed to coming to church to hear a good word, and that's good. So many of us have gotten accustomed to the joy of serving the Lord. But sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes life will hit you so hard. And I realize that everybody won't understand this, but you just give it a little while. Because as you mature and you get older and older in the Lord, some things will come your way and you will say, Lord, how did this happen? You'll be saying to yourself, what kind of blessing is this that you would use this to bless me? <laughs> have you ever had some blessings that you said, Lord, you can have this one? <laughs> You know, then, you know, preachers say, man, it's, it's going to turn around. It's a, it's a blessing for you. It's a blessing after this. You say, I don't want that one. I'm good, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm all set. I learned that in New England. Everybody say, I'm all set up here. <laughs> yeah, Lord, it's in my vocabulary now. I'm all set. I, 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 I could do without that kind of blessing. But serving the Lord comes with its cross. These two texts are pastoral in this sense that they try to encourage us, Paul, Peter, to encourage those who are followers of Jesus, especially those who are leaders, to be sure that they are acquainted with the fact that serving God means that you have to be ready to carry a cross in order to follow Jesus. And I just want to know who I'm talking to this morning. How many of you are willing and ready to say, Lord, I know sometimes that the journey is tough, but... No matter what it is, I'll serve you. It's interesting. I, I'm not sure where this happened. And, you know, I was like this. I thought that being in a relationship with the Lord means that everything is just going to be easy. Everything is just going to work out. And sure, it worked out. But sometimes it's difficult to wait through that process. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I do this all. I praise the Lord. Amen. Brothers were telling me to bring the mic up so that y'all could hear me.
Every now and then, I believe each of us have to make a commitment. Y'all mind if I get comfortable? Can I be comfortable? I believe all of us have to make a commitment to say, the Lord, I'm not just in it to receive, but I'm in it to give. You know, I'm not just here to receive your blessing, but I'm here to bless you. Do you know sometimes we can see that as praise and worship leaders, as we're in the middle of service, even as preachers, we know it when people come in here with that kind of expectation in their mind. Oftentimes people come in, they're just waiting for the right song to give them, praise the Lord, what they need, instead of coming in here to bless the Lord. It's almost as if we're, we're, we're praising worship leaders, preachers. It's almost as if we are in a battle with people trying to determine who's in here really to bless the Lord. Here it is. I believe we've got in this kind of cultural, this cultural phenomenon in the church where everybody wants to hear the good stuff, but people have forgotten about the tough stuff we have to do as Christians. And I believe all of us will come to that place in our life, teleologically, if you will, in our purpose, where God will say to each of us, are you in it to win it? Are you really in this thing? Ride or die, like we used to say back home. Come with me, I'm in it. May be difficult, but I'm in it. May not understand it, but I'm in it. First thing I believe we get taught in both these texts, the first thing I believe is we're taught uh, to have fellowship. Let the church say fellowship. fellowship. Can the church one more time say fellowship? fellowship. Listen to how uh, Timothy says this. He says, join in with me in the suffering of Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. He says, join, not join with me in the happy-go-lucky journey. Did you notice the text? Am I the only one that's reading? He said, join in with me with a suffering. It's almost as if he understands that to serve the Lord means that there will be certain sacrifices that he's got to make. You know, when I uh, became a pastor, I, I thought that people were just acquainted with sacrifice. I thought because people went to church, everybody tired. Uh, I, I did. Um, even though I came up in pastor's home, I, I thought that when people said I want to be a part of the Lord's house, they understood that, that there's a certain burden that comes with ministry. You find that people, as soon as they have somebody step on that toe wrong, man, I'm, I'm gone from the church. I'm done with that. I'm supposed to do that now. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, I see It's almost as if we have forgotten the fact that to be with Christ means that we've got to suffer with him. Well, you don't believe me, just go to Isaiah because Isaiah, we hear an entire prophetic narrative about the coming of Jesus and the thing that we have come to coin it, we coin it as the suffering servant narrative. Paul talks about it in his letter to the Corinthians. People look at him wondering, how on earth is he able to stand and do the things that he's called? He says, it's because I have the fellowship of suffering with the Lord. I want to make this thing a little bit plain to you. Sometimes I don't necessarily get excited 
Because God brings me out of my trouble, I get excited because the Lord stays with me in my trouble. Some of us can only get excited. Some of us can only shout when the Lord brings you out. But is there somebody in here who can say sometimes the reason I really celebrate God is not because everything is well. It's because I've got fellowship with the saints and number one with my God who says I can supply all of your needs despite. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we talk about the, 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 the favor of the Lord. The church goes crazy. We talk about how the Lord will bless you. Everybody gets excited, but how many can get excited when you can say that the Lord is with you in your tribe? That, that some of us should be dead, should be gone, should not be where we are, but it was all because we had the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Do I have a witness in here? Somebody who can say the only reason I'm in here, in here is because I've had fellowship with the Holy Spirit says fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He's, he's also talking about fellowship with those who are leading in the body of Christ. Those who are co-sufferers. Ain't nothing like having some folk who will suffer with you. Everybody can't suffer with you. You know, I, I found this out, Devon, with my friends. There were some friends when I was at Stanford who were real good when I was on top. But soon, as I had a little trouble in my life, I was able to determine who my real friends were. As soon as I started having difficulty, and I wasn't always paying the tab, but I need somebody to pay my bill sometime, it was amazing how I determined that my friends who would suffer with me were few. Sounds like y'all had some experiences like that too. You know, me and Jessica, uh, when, when she was, we were delivering baby girl Jordan, she said to me, because um, you know, we were checking in with the family, we knew that my mom was coming and, and uh, her, uh, her mom was coming, and we we're trying to schedule this thing out. And <laughs> oh, wow, I ain't even got to say it. Y'all know where I'm headed, huh? And uh, it was interesting. We, we, we were talking, and uh, I was saying to her, you know, you know who, who's going to be in the delivery room? And, uh, and uh, I shall never forget, amen, on all, October the 17th, 2013, moving on into, uh, praise the Lord, October the 18th when Jordan was born. Um, we got a couple phone calls while we were in the hospital room. And uh, I was standing there. Laboring, praise the Lord. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say laboring with her. I was with her, in her. Because it's about to get real crazy here. I know we in church, but something about to shift around here if I say I was laboring. Amen. Amen. Y'all shake somebody and say, we're going to keep it real now. Praise the Lord. We ain't that churchy. Y'all didn't touch them. Go ahead and shake them. Tell them we're going to keep it real now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she said, and let me tell you, this is what happened. Her mama called me on my cell phone. Right in the middle <laughs> of labor. And I said, oh, well, was, you know, I was saying in my head, amen. It's all right. Let me, you know, praise the Lord. You know, and uh, I picked up the phone. Jessica said, who's on the phone? <laughs> and listen, she wasn't polite. You know what I'm saying? You know, some of y'all so polite. Y'all ain't never got ugly, never got rude. Your volume never raised up. Yeah, she was going through. She was suffering, Amen. 
When you're suffering, it ain't all smiles. When you're suffering, you frown a little bit. You squeeze hands a little bit. Mama was on the phone. She said, praise the Lord, you know, and she wasn't nice about it. She said, get her off now. There's a reason I got you in the delivery room and nobody else. Everybody can't deliver with you. Can I help you with your polite self? There's some people who you got to set boundaries with. Just because they're good riding partners don't mean that they're good suffering partners. Because in this life, we will have some trouble. In this life, we will have some circumstances. And watch this. What I have found out, the best thing that works for me, and I believe that, that we get this intimation here from, from, uh, from Paul to Timothy in this letter, I'm with you. Aren't you glad that no matter how difficult your circumstances are, you've got somebody who's with you? Now unto him who's able to keep you. Fellowship. Let the church one more time say fellowship. fellowship. I'm going to rush and get out of your way. My mom and dad, one winter, a couple winters ago, about two winters ago to be exact, we started having all this ice that was going, damming all over the, the city. Interesting, though, as things were happening, my church folks, they probably heard me talk about this before, it's interesting. Out of all the places that had damage, it didn't happen in the trustees' office. It didn't happen in the children's office. I don't mean no harm by that. You know, you know, I love all my leaders. Praise God. It did not. We, we didn't have any damage to occur in the sanctuary that we only used a couple times a week. The drain froze over my office. Wait a minute. I'm going to say it again. The drain that goes to the sewer Froze. There I am, laboring on one February afternoon and doing a repast, should never forget, for, for our late sister Hardy. Family's up there and they're using the restroom. I go down to my office to put my belongings away, to wrap up the day, to head out, and all of a sudden I feel something dripping down out of my ceiling. It's dripping, dripping, dripping. And so I get my, you know, I got towels around, praise the Lord, the aides have towels there. I start just wiping up the towels and didn't know it was the number two and the number one that I was wiping up. I said, the drain pipe. Number two and number one started just coming all over my stuff. Nobody else. Have you ever felt like that sometimes in your life? Look like everything that. I wish y'all would stop being too sanctified and holy in here. I, where am I focused? It just seems like the target is on your back. Yeah, nobody else. No, nobody else. Nobody else's office. My office. My office. I'm the only one there every day. My office. I'm saying, come on, Lord, what's going on here? 
called my mama, called my dad. I got him on the phone. I said, look here, I signed up to pastor, but I ain't signed up to have number one and two. I know, I know, you know, and I know, praise the Lord, we got to be in it to win it, praise the Lord. But right now, I don't feel like I'm in it. And I don't want to win this one. Y'all see, y'all too holy for me. Well, somebody, come on, some stuff ain't pretty. And so I got him on the phone, I said, listen here, um, praise the Lord. Um, I'm upset, and my mom, she's like, son, no, you know, my mom, mama's always like, she, don't worry about it. You know, Lord's been good. He's done everything. In it. Look at it. It's been renovated, all this stuff. The Lord's going to take care of it. I said, Mama, did you hear what I said? I said, number one and two. I mean, my sofa, my, my library, my books, the floor, everything. I have the audacity to put my, my, my sweat rag in it. Did you hear what I said? I'm still talking about it's going to be all right, Elroy. Hey, come on, it's going to be okay. I said, you know what? Put the pastor on the phone. I started talking about you know, because that's my daddy. You know, I said, where's daddy? Where, where's pastor? Put the pastor on the phone. You're on the phone with daddy. Daddy said, oh, uh, son, you know, because he knows I'm upset. They kind of know in your voice. You know, parents know their children. <laughs> so he gets on the phone. He's soft, you know, he's not ready. See, you know, first of all, he kind of gets on my nerves a little bit too because he gets real quiet. <laughs> you know, and won't really say nothing. You know, so I'm talking to him and just saying that he's so quiet. And I'm saying, well, hey, do you hear what I'm saying? You know? <laughs> I wish y'all would go with me today. <laughs> you look quiet. Uh, and, and dad said, listen, son. We didn't have a snowstorm. He said, you forgot. Three years ago, it wasn't snow. Wasn't a tornado, but it was a storm. It wasn't a blizzard, but it was a storm. And he said, it came to our church. Church, they didn't realize it was there on floodplain. The whole left side of the church, the whole wing, his office, children's church office, messed up. And he said, son, I know me and mama wear it good. I know um, it's been so quick and late in your memory in terms of short-term memory that you believe you're the only one that's got a problem. He said, but don't let us fool you because we had greater damage. He said, you're complaining about one office and I'm talking about the entire left wing in my church. That's not going to help some of you today. But, but, but it helped me because it, see, it, it, it was not an alleviation of my problem. It just showed me I had fellowship in my problem. Y'all not going to help me today. Some of the best blessings I have had in my life is when I know I've got somebody in this thing with me. Can somebody in here celebrate the fact that you have a God who's been with you through thick and thin? The Lord has sent his angels to support you just in the nick of time. Am I talking to anybody in here that loves fellowship? Fellowship. Fellowship. What a fellowship and a joy divine to lean on the everlasting arms of the Lord. 
Not only do I believe we see in this text that there is a real strong note for us to appreciate the significance of fellowship, but especially fellowship in suffering. I believe he also gives us a nice note to remind us that as believers, as people who are winners, do I have any winners in here? If you're a winner, can you just make some noise so I know who I'm talking to? If, if you're a winner, the other thing he tells you, tells us in this text is that we've got to have endurance. Let the church say endurance. Listen to how he says it. Endure hardship as a good soldier. He says, there is no cross without a crown. Can we bring the verses up? Is it possible? And Timothy, want to just read those out again? No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, one who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. A hard-working farmer should be the first to receive share of crops. Notice, he talks especially in verses 5 through 6 in, in terms of sport, in terms of time, that, that nothing that we do is absent of some time in it. Some of us can dream, but some of us don't have drives to complete dreams. Everybody can dream, but not everybody can execute. Y'all not going to help me today. There are plenty dreamers, but there are few drivers. And my prayer for you today is not for you to simply have a dream from the Lord that never comes into fruition. Because the Bible says, he that begins a good work in you will see it through what? Where are my Bible reading folk in here? He who begins a good work will see it until the day of completion. So that means that the Lord often starts, but we've got to finish. <laughs> And you know, you know, sometimes it's amazing, you know, you talk to church folks. If we're not careful, we'll hide the time that it took for us to get what we got. People get so invested, they'll look at you and man, ooh, wait, look at that smile you got on your face. And you be saying to yourself, if you knew what I've been through. I, I'm really ready to turn the corner. I need some help in here. Is that somebody in here say, if you knew what was going on right now, you would get confused by my worship because my worship does not reflect what's going on on the. Because I've learned to magnify the Lord. And that simply means I make the Lord bigger than my circumstances. Where are the endurers in the house? Yeah, yeah, um, you got to endure. If you wanted to win it, you've got to endure. You want to go to college, I, you know, when I was, you know, I was one of the first persons in my family to go to college. I thought you just got accepted and then you, praise the Lord. I got the admission letter to Stanford and boy, I was, ooh, wee. 
I'm going to Stanford. Ooh, we I'm going to Morehouse. I got to Morehouse, I had to do some work though. And that degree just didn't hop in my lap. It didn't just show up and say, hey man, I've been waiting to give it to you. But I had to go every day. Did you hear what I said? I said every day. I'm going to say it again because some of y'all didn't hear what I said. I said I had to do every day. Every day had to wake up and see. Some people say, oh, I was faithful for a few days. Honey, you can't be faithful for a few days for a lifetime of service. Some of the things that God can and will do for us, it will not just simply be a season of faithfulness. It's okay to be faithful in one season, but can you be faithful in every season? Oh God, this is the kind of preaching I want to do. If you don't mind, may I kind of press you and charge you a little bit? You've got to make sure that you endure in the good and the bad times. And you know what? This is what I've noticed. I've noticed this kind of stuff in the church. I've noticed people say, um, Pastor, if you knew what I was going through. I've heard people say this. Um, if you knew all the stuff that was going on in my life, you would understand why. You know, I'm not doing all that I could. Man, y'all ain't going to preach today. If you knew all the stuff that was going on in my life, you would understand why. why. And, and you know, we say stuff like this. God understands. Uh, you know, God, God knows my heart. He sure does. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. And he knows, watch this, he knows who his disciples are based off of how they endure. I know some of us say, Lord, you know, you know people, people say stuff like that. Uh, uh, you just wait until I get my situation right. Wait, wait until everything is okay. Then I'll serve. I'm sorry, I, I, I hate the bus bubbles here today. But the Lord actually determines who you are. For how faithful you are in your struggle. But watch this. He, he also reminds us in the sporting narrative that there is no victor's crown unless you compete according to the rules. There's no way for you to skip suffering. Where are the church folk in here? Am I talking about myself? Uh, uh, that, you know, I, I, I've paid attention a little bit to sports. I have never seen, football season is coming up, and I'm a big NCAA fan, um, and uh, praise the Lord, Alabama and Auburn, praise the Lord, because I am from Alabama. Um, I have never, I've been watching football for, you know, my entire life, praise the Lord, and Young life, amen, amen. And I have never seen a field goal get three points by somebody punting. I have never seen a person make a three-pointer by being in the middle of the court. I'm sorry, by being underneath the basket. There are some things we will never have unless we're willing to put in the necessary work to get what God has promised. It's okay for you to shout about promise. 
but you got to also shout yourself through the drive to hit your dream. Don't get it this way. Got to go through the journey. Got to compete. Hard-working farmer will be the first to receive it, but he's got the soul to seed. Notice something about plants, they don't grow overnight unless something was done wrong. Unless it's been genetically modified. Okay, I'm talking about organic growth. I'm talking about in its purest form. If it's going to grow, you're going to have to dig. You're going to have to place the seed. You're going to have to bury the seed. You're going to have to water the seed. And you're going to have to help treat and keep the harvest. All that says to me is whenever we're enduring soldiers, it takes time. We can't wake up one day. We got to wake up every day saying, Lord, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. It's difficult, but I'll serve you. Hard, but I'll keep the focus. I got to get out of here. One more point. Try to be a good Baptist preacher. Three points. Got to make sure that we're endurers. Got to also make sure that no matter what the test, trial, that we persevere through it. Do you know what James says in the first chapter? He says, endure hardship. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. He says, he says count it all joy. Thank you. When you go in, wait a minute, he said, count it all joy. When you go into diverse temptation, remembering this, knowing this, that it's the testing of faith, which produces maturity, teaches you patience, so that you may be lacking in all. If you're going to be everything that God has called you to be, if you're going to be a winner, you've got to have endurance. Look at somebody, tell them, you've got to have endurance. I was uh, watching last night, so I was kind of trying to detox and kind of cool my mind down, get prepared for this morning. A competition on the Olympics called the Help. Oh no, no, I can't even say it. It's called the Helpathlon. Helpathlon. Thank y'all. Told you, you know. Praise the Lord. I was kind of heading to my sleep. And there was a, a young lady who won this competition. And I, I you know, I turned to Jessica because I was real confused. Um, this, 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 this lady was running in. She was like third or fourth. And everybody was celebrating and wrapping their arms around her. Wait a minute, hear what I'm saying? She was not the first. She was fourth. But everybody was celebrating her. And, and man, people were just jumping all over her. And, and I was like, wait a minute, she wasn't first? I was like, did I miss something? I did. Because this word in Greek, hepta, actually means uh, uh, seven. See, see, she was first in other competitions. 
<laughs> the reason I was confused about her winning is because I didn't have access to all of the stuff that she had done. See, I had missed the fact that she had won every journey up until that point. And she had room, watch this, to relax on the final course because she was faithful through the early courses. I wish somebody would help me in this place that sometimes the people are getting confused looking at you. They'll get it confused because they don't know the story behind your glory. Would you help me celebrate by myself, Brandon, that the Lord will, the Lord will confuse people with the glory over your life. The Lord will confuse, they will be saying, wow, how did this happen? And you can say it's because I've been faithful. Not every season was perfect. Not every season did I feel like I, I won, but I won overall. Yeah, 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 I didn't see it. I, I'm telling you, I was as confused as I could be because I didn't see the journey. All I saw was a destination. I saw the end. I didn't see the through. <laughs> Every single person that's in this place, you might confuse us with how dressed up you look today. But everybody that's standing on here under the sound of my voice, you've got a story of endurance. If you're standing in this sanctuary today, it's because you're an endurer. If you can worship in the house of the Lord, the only reason you can do it is because you're an endurer. Because it's not like everything is an easy cakewalk. But the Lord gives us strength to endure, doesn't he? If you're going to have it, even if you want to be healed, you've got to endure. You better talk to the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she had to press her way through the crowd. The Bible says the disciples were pushing her away. Bible says the crowd was very difficult and she made a commitment. She said, I don't even have to have a prayer from the Savior if I can only touch the hem of his garment. I know I'll be made whole. But don't take her word for it. Take, 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 take Joseph's word for it. Bible says at the end, the doxology of Genesis, his brothers are thinking he's going to kill them. Because of what he did to them, what they did to him, sold him out to slavery, tried to kill him all the way up into death, to my family. Got sold into Potiphar's house, Potiphar sold him out. Went into jail, but he kept on enduring. Would y'all listen to Joseph's story with me? I'm, I'm on my way out, I'm, I'm about to be in my seat, amen. But, 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 but he gets to the end and he gets to the king's court. And his brothers are afraid because they think he's going to seek vengeance. But he says something that I believe that's, that's real strong. He said, you all meant it to harm me. God, I wish I was in the church today. You meant to take me out with this thing. But the Lord, he meant it for my good. Do I have a witness in here? That's some stuff when you look back over your life, you wonder, how did I make it over? Well, if, if, if you're wondering how you made it over, my last point 
to you is, I want to tell you how you got over it. You got over it because of his grace. Because in the beginning of this text, you will hear him talking about being strong in grace. Now for, who, for those in here who are, uh, um, praise God, new to this term called grace. I thought I was in a church. Y'all should know what grace is. If you know something about grace, you ought to make it just a little noise and let me know that you are a recipient. Uh, I want to pull this up. Um, he says that uh, my son, verse 1 in chapter 2, be strong in the grace. Let the church say in the grace. grace. That's in Christ Jesus. And then when we flip back to Peter, Notice the celebration, the doxology of this text. He says, cast all your cares on him because the Lord cares for you. Be alert and sober in mind. Remember, the enemy is looking around, trying to devour you. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world, they're going through the same thing. Don't let them fool you. They got something too. Verse 10. This is where I am. But the God of all grace. Let the church help me say all grace. Who called you into his eternal glory after you've suffered for a while. Will himself restore you. And will make you strong. Make you firm. And steadfast. To him be power. Glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to close my book here, but I want to just share with you that the reason you're in here is because something called grace. He celebrates it. And notice what he says. He says the God of all grace. What I've noticed about grace, God will give you a grace for every season in your life. A grace to forgive? You didn't even think you could forgive from that. You told yourself, I wish y'all let me get in your business and be free in here tonight. This, this morning, I'm sorry. You told you, I'll never forgive him. Couldn't be me. If it happened to me, I'll never forgive. But here you go, you're a living witness. You're standing in here today because God gave you a grace to do what you couldn't even do yourself. I never do that. And then here the Lord gives you a grace for it. Grace is a gift. Every person that's got a gift knows that the only reason they have it it's not in their own power. In fact, Paul says it like this. He says, it is not of our own works that we should boast. But it's the grace of God. It's, it's that power that enables us. In fact, he says it in a Corinthian letter a little bit different than this. He says, um, I pray to the Lord to remove certain thorns from my flesh. Lord told me he wouldn't remove them. He told me that his grace was sufficient. Power made perfect in weakness. Paul does something very similar to Peter. He turns the grace around and he begins to celebrate and say, therefore I will give God glory in my weakness. 
Because when I'm weak, the Lord is strong. Do I have a witness in this place? That the Lord's grace has been the stuff that's been keeping you on? Come on, if you're really a believer, a real recipient of grace, would you just touch somebody and tell them it's the grace over my life? It's the grace. Come on, it's grace that's keeping you in here. It's been grace that's been keeping you this far. It's been grace that's been allowed. You're not smart enough. It's his grace. You're not rich enough. It's been his grace. You're not intelligent enough. It's been his grace. Come on, would you help me touch somebody and say, it's been his grace in my life. Don't, don't get it twisted. I'm a recipient of his grace. If I did not have his grace, I wouldn't be. It's the grace. I am what I am. But by the grace of God. I'm in it to win it. It's going to take some endurance. <laughs> it's going to take serious grace. But I'm in it to win it. It's tall and broken.